you when you need to know what's happening, it's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Dukes and Jason LaConfora. Welcome back to another edition of In the Huddle, guys, as we count down to week 18. One more week of the regular season, Jason, and then it's the playoffs. But before we get to all of that and our thoughts about what happened in week 17, we've got to talk about what happened last night with Bill Safety, DeMar Hamlin. Everybody around the world is talking about it, and certainly we are going to today. Now, as we record this, guys, it's Tuesday morning. We don't know where this is going to go. We certainly don't know how this is going to, you know, possibly change over the next few hours. So we want to be clear. Jason and I, right now, our thoughts about the NFL, how they handled it, what players were thinking, what we were thinking, is what we're going to focus on. We are not going to focus on the condition of DeMar Hamlin at this point because we just don't know. We're not doctors. We have no idea. With that said, Jason, let's talk about this because he is in critical condition. He suffered cardiac arrest from what we know and what's been reported as of right now. Last night, as you've watched this, and you've covered the NFL a long time, as I've been around it as well, what were you thinking? Well, first of all, I just want to express – my thoughts, prayers, emotions are with Demar Hamlin, with his loved ones, with the Bills, with T. Higgins, with all those uh, men who were on that field, and and women who were on that field in one capacity or another, and and collectively created an environment in which we're still able to talk about Demar Hamlin being alive at this moment in time, You're right. because it, it is clear that he suffered a major cardiac event and if the men and women um tasked from the medical community with being at that football game didn't act as urgently and as expertly as they did that this you know we already may be talking about something more horrific than than what this has been so um, a lot of people acted um out of great care um and displayed great character and uh i also thought um, from what we could see, I wasn't there. I was watching at home like everybody else. I'm watching the same coverage as everybody else. Um, but the cameras tell a story. The the faces tell a story. And it seemed pretty clear to me, Carl, that Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor got together a couple of times and said, mm. not tonight. We're, we're going we're gonna to be with our men. We're going to go back where they can't film us into our sanctuary, the locker room. And we're going to deal with this together. Um, and the football part of this is it's not happening. You know, it's not happening. That's not where we're at. That's not where we should be at. That's not what this is about at this point in time. Um, again, we all watch the same coverage. Carl, what, what, what was expressed throughout that evening numerous times from field reporters and in the studio? What was the initial report? When they came out of three or four straight commercials where everyone's kind of just in distress, was it not made abundantly clear? I would assume in the stadium as well, although I wasn't there. Was was there not abundant reporting saying that the teams were advised they had five minutes to get themselves together, run around and stretch a little bit, and then we're playing football? Was that not made abundantly clear not not just initially, but I watched the coverage till midnight. Right throughout that period of time, was that not the timeline? It, it was, um, and this gets us into another part of this story. Jason Lock on four, Carl Dukes. It's in the huddle. Brian Boldinger, part of this podcast as well, guys, and he will join us later in the week as we talk about this situation with Bill Safety, uh, Demar Hamlin. Everyone around the country, Jason, and I know you were seeing it too on social media because this is what connects us now, right? It used to be, hey, I'm calling my boys, I'm calling my family. Now we're talking to people that we don't even know. And the biggest thing was what took the NFL so long to make this decision? Now, I cannot defend what happened behind the scenes. I know Troy Vincent is a very smart guy. Mm -hmm. I know that Roger Goodell, whether you like him or you don't like him, these situations are unique. And when you start talking about these kinds of injuries and stuff playing out in real time, I don't know at what point they were saying, hey, what do we know? What do we don't know? Okay, we're not playing. 
But I know a lot of people were upset at the fact, Jason, that this thing seemingly took an hour to make the decision before, hey, everybody realizes you can go home. We are all thinking about what needs to be thought about at this point, and that is the well-being of this individual, this human being, not this football player. His teammates cannot, you know, go back out there. Nobody was expecting that, I don't think. But what about the time lapse between this event happening and then the decision by the league? I thought, I just don't know if they knew what was going on wholeheartedly, right? I just don't know. Well, you've got Donna Ponte there. Donna Ponte is one of the three sure. highest ranking football operations people in the league. Maybe one of the six or seven highest uh, ranked uh, executives in the league in total. She's there. You just mentioned the immediacy of how quickly communication and things can be expressed person to person in a number of ways. Like, I'm just trying to get my head around for three. And I've I've worked in the past in a news role for the media arm of the league and one of their primary broadcast partners. And the idea that for three hours from, from when this horrific event happened, I shouldn't say three hours, because I guess it was probably a period of time after the ambulance left the field where it was conveyed that these teams have five minutes and then we're going to go. From when that was initially expressed on air to after midnight when, the, when Troy Vincent does his mm-hmm. – uh, conference call for that extenuated period of time. It was expressed over and over and over in conversations on set and conversations in the uh, press box and uh, from the where they were broadcasting the game and on the sidelines. That was put out there. Where did that like? No one went rogue. You know what I mean? I find it hard right. to believe right. that an official a game. On field official, a reporter, a a network that has billions of dollars tied up over years with that league, that that was wrong. Someone there got it wrong, and that three hours later the NFL got around to correcting it. Like it doesn't work that way. I'm just telling you. Like things that are nowhere near this magnitude. When they see it, and they see everything, especially in a moment like this, and this is not a ma-and-pa operation. That is not – Park Avenue is not short on body, short on eyeballs, right? Like, there's layers there, man, and there's lawyers. And I just and, – and I and this isn't to come at Troy because Troy's not making this decision. It's Correct. Roger Goodell. We still That's haven't right. heard from Roger Goodell. He's the $50 million man. So they sent Troy out there to try to clean up their mess. That's how I see it, okay? That's – I, I, you know me, I am, I'm probably too honest, but like, there's no way. It's fair. No way fair. that you would have Ryan Clark and, and, and Scott Van Pelt having the level of discourse they were having, which was, which, which showed a, a, a tremendous humility, humanity, uh, in some ways, bravery, honesty, like it was very compelling and it helped a lot of people get through this uncertain time. Then you're going to come out after midnight on a conference call and say, we don't know where that came from. Yeah. Right? Like Inexcusable. It's, really? it's inexcusable. No, it, it really? is. Because if that was incorrect, if that was if, if somehow that got on air and it was just poppycock, just somebody made it up, that gets corrected like that. No, no, it doesn't work that way. Okay? Like, so I, I, and then, I mean, I'm just, you know, I, I wasn't on the field. I'm not a brilliant football executive. I'm not, you know, nobody pays me millions of dollars a year to hear what I think about anything, but you could see Josh Allen's face. You could see Stefan Diggs face. You could see Sean McDermott's face. You could see Zach Taylor's face. You could see Joe Burrow's face. And know that there, this the the show won't go on tonight. The spectacle yeah. won't go on tonight. No one's winning any bets tonight. No one's winning any fantasy football tonight. Let's hope this young man doesn't die on this football field, or die in this ambulance, or die at that hospital. Period. The Roger Goodell thing is something that we'll question for a very long time. When something goes wrong, or there is an event in our country. 
I don't care what your political stance is. The president speaks. The president addresses the nation. The president says, hey, things are going to be fine. This is where we're at. Whether you buy it or not, in this political landscape we're in, the point is you hear from the man. We didn't hear from the man last night. And that is where I agree with you, Jason, that at some point, I don't give a damn what Roger Goodell was doing, put, put a suit on, put a suit, put, put, a, put a half suit on. Get, you've got cameras in your house, Roger. We know from 2020 that you oh, can yeah. do this. Okay? Broadcasted a whole draft from his couch. We know that you can do this. In case of emergencies or situations like this, and, and, and these guys are what I call doomsday situations. Now, Jason knows this because we've been around the league, but there are scenarios and there are books, okay, that the NFL has, God forbid, if something happens, plane goes down. There are mm -hmm. multiple casualties. There's something that happens at the stadium. There are guides that we can go to and say, hey, we, we predicted maybe this might happen, and this is how we're going to respond. So when I hear people say, well, they've never been through this, bullshit. Because I'm going to tell you, in 2007, there was a guy who played for the Buffalo Bills. His name was Kevin Everett. Kevin Everett was covering a, a, a kickoff and gets hit, and he is on the field for 15 minutes, motionless. Now, but the reason why I know this, and, and it hits so home with me, Jason, is because he was from Port Arthur, Texas. I'm in Houston at the time. They, they literally chill his body to decrease the swelling in his spine, and nobody thought he was going to walk again. And this kid at the time walked into my studio months later, and I damn near broke down because watching that on television and knowing exactly what we're feeling about DeMar Hamlin and how his family feels, and this kid may never play. Forget that. He may never walk. He may never have kids. He may never enjoy the simple things in life. He walks into my studio, and I damn near broke down, and I said, I can't believe you're here. And we had a great conversation. And my point is, NFL fans, this has happened. We've seen it. So this, this idea of we don't know how to respond or we don't know how to react, we can go down the list. This, the NFL has seen this before, unfortunately. So Roger Goodell, where are you? Why haven't you addressed any of this? I think to give that and put that responsibility on Troy Vincent was completely irresponsible. I understand yep. what Troy's responsibilities are, Jason, but this isn't his deal. No. When something like this happens with the league, we need to hear from the commissioner, and he needs to be the point guy. Yeah. That's yeah. it. You don't send your chief of staff out. The president comes out. and and Period. Uh, again, this wasn't a small market game in a one o'clock window while 10 other NFL games were going on. It was the marquee. It was a historic Monday night football teams with the best record ever. I mean, it was that they're, they're there for, they have boots on the ground for primetime games anyway. And certainly for this game, again, you've, you've got someone right there who can take the temperature of that field, who can talk directly to those coaches and players and is also in direct communication with the league. Like, I just tried to game out in my head, like, what's the upside? Like, what would the lawyers and the PR people and the commissioner and everybody else, like, what would that ramp up have really looked like? Had they, because as they're they're delaying this decision, clearly they're leaving open the possibility that there might be some sort of football freak show mm. still to come that night. Like, what, how are they, like, what's the upside to doing that? You played a game, a, a season through a pandemic, I'm old enough to remember games on Monday afternoon, Tuesday night, Wednesday afternoon. The <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens played a game at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon yeah. on a Wednesday. That had massive ramifications, not just for them, but for teams around the league to the point where you had teams complaining about, well, that team had more rest than that team had, and you got through it because you can get through it because we're human beings, we have great capacities, and guess what? These stadiums are empty almost 90% of the time. This isn't like football or basketball where there's, uh, you know, especially in the winter, there's a concert and then there's a, you know, uh, a circus and whatever. Like it's it, now nah, these buildings are dark all the time, man. And guess what? You played that game on a one o'clock in December. It mattered. And people still made money off of it. You know, they didn't make as much as they would have had it been played on a Monday night. Right. But Al and Chris were still there. You know, Carrie Underwood was still singing her little heart out before the game, and everybody got paid. It's Carl Dukes, Jason Lock on four, Bill Safety, DeMar Hamlin, still in critical condition as we speak. Again, you're watching this. We're recording this Tuesday, guys.
Things could change, and we hope they change for the better over the next few hours, certainly the next few days as we hear where this is going. As far as this game being made up, Jason, we got to address this, and then we'll talk about what happened in Week 17 as we look towards the playoffs and what's going to happen. Because the league could obviously get this game in. We'll see. The playoffs are set up that, you know, uh, that you could have the, a week – uh, before and, and still have the, the timeline play out the way it should. I don't know. At this point, to be honest with you, I really don't give a damn. Yeah, I, I, don't, I just don't give a damn about the game, to be honest be with you. It can be figured out. It can yes. be figured out. It yeah. can be done. They, they preach competitive balance until they don't. Like, if it was truly all about competitive balance, why aren't the Seattle Seahawks and the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers all playing in the same window? Hmm. Why aren't they all playing at 425 on Sunday? If it's a, I mean, if it's a meritocracy, if it's not about, well, man, Aaron Rodgers makes a whole hell of a lot more money for us in the playoffs than those two teams. So we'll already, Seattle already have played and we'll already know that. Detroit might not have anything to play for. And so even if both teams don't have anything at stake, that's the moneymaker and Green Bay in the playoffs is a moneymaker. Like, I mean, you can say that's a conspiracy theory, but I would say, well, if there's three teams that are affected, Right and 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 have the same state. There's three teams with a chance to get that spot, and it's all about competitive balance. And you've got windows on Saturday and windows on Sunday. Sunday. Multi got more windows than normal. It's a great why? point. You you tell me why? Like it, it's a great why point. why why is Jacksonville and Tennessee where it is, and why is Aaron Rodgers where he is? Money. It's that simple. It's money, and, and we know it. You know it. I know it. The people that cover this league know it. The league knows it. And the average football fan who may be watching this podcast or is immersed in football every Sunday, maybe they're not paying that close attention because they just want to root their team on. But at the end of the day, it's about money, and we the know business. that. It's, it's that simple. All right, guys. Again, prayers. Keep, keep DeMar Hamlin and his family in your prayers. Nobody wants to see that. Listen, we're not going to debate it's a dangerous game. It's a violent game. We've seen things, as I've mentioned, in the past. You can go all the way back to the 70s, guys. Daryl Stingley. Stingley. Chuck Hughes collapsed on the field for the line. You could go back. These things have happened. They haven't happened frequently, thank God. But these are things the NFL is familiar with. And the way that this was handled is, I think, the bigger question moving forward and why Roger Goodell wasn't more prevalent and present in this situation. All right. With that said, let's wish the best for DeMar and his family and move forward. Jason Lock on four, Carl Dukes, it is in the huddle. Subscribe. We put out new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, and we are counting down to the playoffs. So let's shift gears a little bit because I think we're both in this mindset right now of, you know, we're, we're kind of ticked off about some things. But Oh, yeah. But let's talk about the Giants because they're back in the playoffs, Jason, for the first time since 2016. We talked about Brian Dable all season yes, long. Yes, we did. You, me, Baldwin. Yes, the job he's done. And I just want to say this to Giants fans. For two years, I made fun of Joe Judge. Who am I? He was a clown show. Yes, he was. And this shows you what I have been saying for two years for Giants fans, which is coaching matters. This dude took the same damn roster yep. and turned it into a playoff team with no viable down-the-field threats to scare anybody in the league and basically made Daniel Jones better. Gave Saquon yep. Barkley the play calling he needed to become the guy he needed to become this season, and the defense is stepping up. So now they beat the Colts 38-10, and Jason, they're in the playoffs. Yeah, look, for me, he's the coach of the year. Um, we talked about this at the midpoint of the season, and he was my coach of the year then. They hit a lull. They had major injury woes. Um, you know, they, they had that weird tie with the commanders where it looked like they were going to pull away with that game. That sent them into a bit of a tailspin. But, they, you know, they came back. They took care of business against the commanders in prime time a few weeks later. Um, they don't beat themselves. And they make great second-half adjustments. And – you know, they, they, it, it's it's a lot of the old talent, but, like, Thibodeau's a difference maker, man. And I hated, I hated that Snow Angel thing, and um, I, I just got to assume he had no idea what was going on three feet next to him with Nick Foles. That's but what I felt. That's yeah, what I felt, I, I, I just thought I he mean, was doing it, it and yeah. then was like, oh, crap, you know. Was but, oblivious. Yeah. But um, it also shows you, though, it's another instance – 
of that below-grade, unseemly, disgusting operation that Jim Irsay's running, right? That's their version of leadership. They got a quarterback convulsing on the field. They got a dude doing snow angels for what felt like five minutes, not a single. And Jeff Saturday's a big, bad center. Jeff Saturday, he's not scared of analytics. Jeff Saturday's going to – he's smarter than all you guys. He's better than all you. We're going to show you. Well, Jeff Saturday, I didn't see his ass doing anything. I didn't see anybody doing anything. And then Nobody they went out that. and rolled over and tanked it for another half of football. Because why the <laughs> hell would you play for these problems? You better get Jim Harbaugh, Ursay, because oh. that's your best and only shot. And yeah. you may be his best and only shot, but that will be a beautiful disaster too. Like, I, go I, for it. I can't I wait to talk you. about it on this podcast and write about it. It'll be a beautiful disaster. Yeah, he's got he's got to try to to do something there with Harbaugh. But, but no, the, to the Giants, man, look, they they. Good on them. They're going to probably have to franchise Daniel Jones now, and they should. Um, and you add some receivers, right? I, and, and look, I think that kid Bellinger, he's a really, he's going to be a really good tight end. He missed some time with that eye injury right, right when he was starting to take off in the middle of the season. Now he's back. He's got his legs under him. They still need to build the offensive line. Not all the pieces are there. But Joe Shane, I look, those guys came from Buffalo. I get a lot of the same vibes from them as I get from McDermott and Brandon Bean, and they've built a bully in Buffalo. It's a great point. I, I, and Shane was the right guy, too. We hadn't talked enough about him coming in and figuring out where they needed to go. I was just going to mention Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, George Karloftis. These three guys are getting after the quarterback. Mm -hmm. And I mention this because their teams are going like this. Hutchinson got another pick. He's got three interceptions on the yeah. year. There's, there's, their teams are moving like this, and these three pass rushers, I'm just mentioning them, guys. Pay attention. These are going to be guys, as we start talking about next year and down the road, these are going to be the dominant guys. We know about the Boses of the world and the Watts of the world, not, not JJ, but TJ. Right. These are the next guys that are coming. All right. Giants, congratulations on getting in the playoffs. It's in the huddle. Carl Dukes, my man, Jason Lock on four. How in the hell did the Bucks do this? How did the Bucks do this? I mean, they were dead. So they dead. Are. And then Evans gets three touchdowns. Brady comes alive. Evans, 207 yards in this game. He hadn't had a game like this, Jason, all season. Well, I, I really feel for Steve Wilkes here. He loses a game to Atlanta when DJ Moore takes his helmet off. And I don't think I don't think he did anything wrong. I think they misappropriated that rule. And then if JC Horn plays in this football game, Mike Evans, that doesn't happen. Like to me, that's a direct result of J.C. Horn being out and them just not having what they needed at the corner position to hold up. It held up for three quarters, not for four. This is, look at Tom Brady's splits all season long. He doesn't do anything. It's all it's the fourth quarter. They get in a uh, hurry up, no huddle, two-minute drill type situations, and that's how they score their points. And in this case, they were able to do it um, with the bomb, which hadn't been there all year. And then they have the Darnold turnover, which basically sets up another touchdown. And, and then it's, you know, it's lights out. Um, although that bad snap to the punter could have been problematic too. But this is, I mean, it seems like an impossible game script to replicate, but they've pretty much replicated it in all their victories. And they have it in their losses. And, and that's who they are. Um, and you don't, you can't count Tom Brady out until he's out. That's just as simple as that. They win the NFC South. They will host a playoff game. I don't think anybody plays. Brady said he wants to play this next week. Todd Bowles, oh, I know Todd Bowles pretty well. There's no way in hell Todd Bowles <laughs> playing Tom Brady in you a can't. meaningless football game. No, you can't. Happen. And I know Brady was like, I didn't play with my ACL and the four games. Yeah. I was this isn't Bill Belichick. And this right. isn't a guy who's got all those rings to back up him doing whatever he wants. Nah. I agree. He doesn't play. With that said, though, they would host, as of, as we speak, the Cowboys. I would tell you I would love the Cowboys uh, heading into this game and all that and what's going on with them. But, you know, three weeks ago I would have said that. I, I, hell, I, I'm not sure now. Uh, but that would be the matchup as we look ahead, guys. Obviously things could change in Week 18. All right, let's talk about the Jets. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. They lose, they score six points. Here's the problem with the Jets, and Jason, you know this. They haven't scored diddly squat the last four weeks. Whether it was Mike White for two starts or whether it was Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, guys, completed 54% of his passes. in there, too. Don't forget about Struggle. <laughs> oh, that, that's right, the practice squad guy. 54% 
of his uh, of his passes this year, and and really this gets back to the Jets not being able to score. Year one, they were four and thirteen. This year, right, they're seven and nine. Had a chance, but they're averaging twelve points a game, Jason, during this five game losing streak. It's pathetic. No, it's look. I, I've been writing about this at the Washington Post, and I think other people will come around. I think you'll start to see more reporting on this moving forward. Like Woody Johnson, he's not feeling this right now. And he's going to have probing questions to ask of Robert Sala and others in that organization, um, you know, including Joe Douglas, the GM. Um, I mean, they were six and two and riding high, and yep. people were talking about Sala as coach of the year, and they're they're pitching shutouts against teams in their division, or you know, holding them below ten. And now injuries played a part, but man, injuries are a part of football. It, it, they just are. Um, and they've had numerous chances here to kind of get off the mat, and they haven't been able to do it. And the defense has started to slip a little bit too. Now they're on the field too much. I, mean, I get all that. I see all that. I don't know that that whole staff is back. I don't think it is. And I just wonder if it could get a little sideways between Salah and the owner who didn't hire him. Mm. It was his brother, Chris, who hired him. If he says, hey, I'm not – I don't – I'm not buying that offensive coordinator. You know what I mean? And does the coach say, well, that's my guy. And if we had the right quarterback here, you know, if Mike White doesn't get hurt, we're in the playoffs. You know, LaFleur is not the problem. I, I just – too many smart people who know Woody well have reached out to me over the last couple of weeks. When it first started, he goes, but way before the bottom fell out, before the debacle in Jacksonville, although a couple of people called me during the game and said, Dude, if you were in Woody's box right now, bro. So, <laughs> like, I just have yeah. seen it, and then I like, and there hasn't been the like bump back up. There had like they haven't hit. I don't think they've hit rock bottom yet. Like, if they finish with seven straight losses or whatever, that's rock bottom. It's gonna be an interesting off season there. Um, and I, I, you know, I'll be fascinated to see what they do at quarterback. Um, and that's an owner who has been very hands on at various times. So. Yeah, LaFleur, here's the interesting thing, guys. Mike LaFleur, okay? Not Matt. Mike LaFleur is the OC. This offense under him has scored 30 points five times in 33 games. Now, I want to put that in perspective for you because what Jason's talking about is if you're the owner, you're going, what the hell? The Lions have eight games this season they've scored over 30 points. Five times in 33 games for the Jets? You've done that? I mean, there's something wrong there. So you're right. If Salah says, hey, this is my guy and we need a better quarterback, <laughs> he may end up losing his job trying to defend that instead of saying, hey, we need to move in another direction. I don't know how you defend Mike LaFleur saying, hey, we've only scored 35 times in 33 games. Guys, come on. That's two seasons. Well, and I also wonder, too, like, Woody's the kind of guy, like, does Woody have goo-goo eyes for Tom Brady? Like, mm. and even if Tom Brady's not looking back, like, does he get consumed with some idea and then you've got to go sort of execute it and maybe you execute it to his liking and maybe you don't like just, I'm just telling you when the owner, when the owner feels like he knows better or, or he, um, he can figure it out and you can't, that's problematic. We've seen it time and time again in the huddle. Subscribe guys, Tuesday, Thursdays. If you're just, tuning in or jumping in here and you're checking things out. Listen, again, we want to say this. As we're recording this this podcast, no updates on safety, DeMar Hamlin. Um, we want to get back to that. We started the show with that and want to make sure you guys understand that if you're watching this and you're going, why are these guys not talking about what's happened? That is the reason why, and we're not going to jump the gun. We have no idea where this is going. We're just praying that this young man and his family are going to be okay. All right. With that said, let's talk about the let's talk about the Patriots because they beat the Dolphins. I want to ask you about the Dolphins first and foremost. I didn't get a chance to talk to Baldy about this last week, but I did text and I said, "There's no way they can play Tua." And Baldy responded saying, "They're not going to. No. You don't feel that way. Dolphins are eight and three, or they were eight and three at one point." And now it looks like the playoffs are not going to happen, right? It's just it's, what happens with Tua's situation, specifically before we talk about the Patriots winning this game. Yeah. Look, even if they were to make the playoffs, Tua, Tua wouldn't be playing in the divisional round either. Like, they're mm -hmm. not even thinking about trying to clear him for practice. They're not – it's not 
where they are, and it's not where they will be. And Jason, at this point, is this, is, is this four concussions we know I, of? I don't is know it, if there was one in Alabama or not. I'm not. It's it's at least two this year. Okay. Um, I think there was some uncertainty, right? With the, the original situation where he appeared to be concussed, right? And then he played again played, and then had yeah. the Caesar-like moment where he was shut down. I'm not positive whether that first one was absolutely designated, a, you know, a, a concussion or not. But he's had, look, he's had repeated brain trauma this season. He's had repeated blows to the head. He's had repeated instances where he's needed significant time off um, to recover. Whether he got enough, I guess, is a different discussion. So, yeah, Carl, I don't know what the future holds for Tua. I don't know that Tua knows what the future holds for Tua. Um I do know, you know, here in Maryland, his brother, Talia, is the quarterback for the Terps. And they played in a bowl game, and uh, Talia was doing a lot of interviews around the bowl game, and obviously they were asking about Tua. And, you know, he he, he said he thinks at some point his brother, the drive, the, the desire, the want to play football is still there. And knowing the competitor is, he thinks at some point he gets back there. But I, no one knows what that timetable is or when that is. And um, I guess the more rest, the better. But – Yeah, at some point it comes back to the business of football. And at some point the Miami Dolphins, um, I think they're going to have to fortify their quarterback position no matter what. You know, I think that's a team now that's going to have to. Um, and, and Teddy Bridgewater may still fit that mode, but Teddy Bridgewater's hurt so much that, like, that number two quarterback, you're going to have to go into a season, if, if even if two is back next year, thinking that this is a guy who might have to play a significant portion of the future because of the concussion history of our starter. Um, and maybe Tua just decides I'm taking a year off or I'm taking two years off, or he does what Andrew Luck did and just said, I'm, I'm going to move on to other things that I find um, are going to bring me uh, not as much joy, but certainly not as much pain as football. And, and express myself in different ways. But for the Miami Dolphins, who you're right, are are not going to the playoffs. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. And even if they do, they're not going anywhere in the playoffs. Um, they're, they're going to have – that plan B is going to have to be pretty strong. You know, like I think it's got to be a Jacoby Brissett type guy. You know, it's – it's got like we just saw Jacoby Brissett play 11, 12 games and lost his job to a dude who hasn't played as well as him since. Um, I think, you know, and Brissett's been there before in other iterations. I mean, the backup's going to matter. I'll put it that way. I said this, Jason, on my national show when Tua went down and was convulsing on the field. And I'll say it again. He needs to give it up. I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm not trying to be – I don't want to see Tua die on the field. And we're in a situation we're talking about DeMar Hamlin. It's totally different. But you've got to think about the next 65 years of your life. And here's the problem, and this is why I say this, okay? And I don't know what Tua's going to do to your point. I have no idea. And whatever he decides – and this is hard because Tua's chasing this bag. Tua is a couple of seasons away from securing $200, $300 million, whatever it's going to be potentially, and it's hard to tell anybody who's chased their dreams and put in this kind of work to say, you've got to step away. But I do know this. We don't know the effects of CTE until these guys are gone. We don't do all tapsies when they're alive. But when they're gone, you can go down the list of guys, CTE, CTE, CTE. It was the reason why their lives are somewhat cut short in many cases. And I just think at this point where you're Tua to Tagovailoa and you're saying, I love the game. You're a legend in Alabama. You won a championship. You played on incredible teams. Tua's not going to want for money. He's always going to have a place in football because of his legacy that he built in college and being a top pick. So well, you've got to just think about this. And if I'm him, okay, I know I'm older and I'm wiser, Jason, but I'm thinking about this and I'm going, bro, it ain't worth it. Because the well, next two or three times I get concussed, what are they going to tell me? How much time do I need off? Jason, do we really know how much time it takes for the brain to heal? Do we? No, I mean, I, there's so much more we have to learn. But I, I don't know that – I'm not looking at it from the money side of it. Um, I, I think it's more 
like we come to think of ourselves as different things. Like I was a journalist and a beat writer, and then I was whatever, an insider, or I was a radio host, or I was this, right? And you're able in most sort of industries or a lot of them to recraft yourself and shift or whatever. Like he's a quarterback, like somewhere in his heart of hearts, his mind of minds, he sees himself as a quarterback, as a leader on the field, as a field general. He comes from a football family, right? Hawaii and that culture, the Polynesian culture, faith, family, and football, it's inbred from him. It's it's being spoken to him around the family before he knows what words are. Like he's dreamed his entire life of fulfilling these life goals and getting a D1 scholarship, winning a national championship, being a first-round draft pick. A lot of people thought he was going to be first overall for a long time. Tank for Tua. Turning an NFL franchise around. Going to a Super Bowl. Mom, I'm going to Disney World. Like, I I can't imagine how much of his off time was spent dreaming, daydreaming about that stuff. And then think of the millions of hours he's put in. And he hasn't lived that long. Think of how many of them were consumed by driving to a practice, driving home from a practice, driving to a seven-on-seven, coming home from a seven-on-seven, throwing in the backyard with my brother, watching film, watching college games, watching pro games, playing Madden. Like, and now you're, what is he, 25? And now it's gone, like, now, hey, you got to step back. It's over. You're, you're facing career mortality at this dream job, this thing that only 32 people on the planet do at any given time. It's being pulled away from you right when you were the number one ranked quarterback. You were the top rating in the NFL. He was. Even in that game where you got hit, you were dominating the Green Bay Packers, who now are everybody's darlings again. You were outplaying Aaron Rodgers until your brain got bruised again. Like, and now we're like two weeks away from, and people want to know, like, what the future holds. Like, man, just like, that's a lot. That's a lot. Like, I've had to re-envision myself in various ways at various points in time, and it was nowhere remotely on this scale. And it, it it's gets hard. your mind swirling. It's hard. Like, you're, you're taking all this away from him right when he felt closer, you know, closest to ever than establish himself as an elite top 10 NFL quarterback. And, look, he's driven, man. You ask Saban about this kid, like – Mm-hmm. He he wants it. He's a super kid. He's uber dedicated. And he's had a chip on his shoulder. He's heard all this stuff. You're too frail. You're too fragile. And this is now a derivative of that almost. Like, and there's nothing he can do about it. And and it it like that's a lot. You know, that 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 that's a lot to have to step back and on the fly while your brother's still playing in a bowl game. And while your brothers in the Miami Dolphins are still going out there and losing without you. So I, I like whatever the future holds, the future holds. I, I don't, I just, I just, you know, it, it, that's a difficult thing to have extinguished potentially. It is. In the span of whatever it was, 10 weeks between the first concussion and this last one, like, so I, I don't know, you know. I I, I just want I, I want nothing more than for that young man to have the best, most fulfilling um, life he can. And for him, it's probably really hard to conceive of that without football being a part of it now and and for a while going forward. It's um, hard for older guys to conceive yeah. it when their time is done. It's always hard to turn the page when you're moving on from something you love, right? You know, I've thought about it, Jason. You've thought about it. People say, well, you know, you can broadcast for the rest of your life. Maybe. You can write for the rest of your life. Maybe. But at some point, whether it's your choice or mine, somebody's going to say, ah, your time has come. Okay? Well, and he's not moving on from it. It's being taken from him. It has. But, right. but it's like, hard. You know what I mean? Like, this, this, is, this isn't this is on his terms at all. But let me say this yeah. about it. And, and here's where I think the people around Tua, and this is the difference. Who's talking to him about not the next five, but the next 25? Who's in his circle that says, Tua, I love you, bro. There's nothing I wouldn't do for you. But you really got to think about this. You got to think about where you want to be and what kind of life you want to live. And that's all I'm saying. I'm not telling you that he he shouldn't, you know, think about all those things you're talking about. Because what you say. And I'm not saying he should play. I'm just saying this is complicated. Like it is. It is. Very much so. All right. Let's talk about the Patriots. They win the game against the Dolphins. 
We're talking about Tua Tonga by Loa. Jason says he's done. Baldy says he's done. I, for the, I mean, he's not playing football this season. In whatever the Miami Dolphins season yes. Yes. constitutes, he's not going to be a part of yeah. the and remainder I, and I agree. of their football season. There's Beyond no reason that, to. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Patriots win. They're still alive. I still think they're somewhat frauds because that offense is blah. I know they're winning, and everybody now is back on the Belichick train saying, look, look at what he's done, and see, yeah. the offensive coordinators don't matter. And <laughs> I, I, If the playoff started today, by the way, Patriots seventh seed at Bills, which would be the right, – the Bills would be the two seed because the Chiefs would get the bye as we sit right now the, and right. in the week uh, 18. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, the Patriots are look. I mean, they're to me they're patently mediocre, which is what yeah. you get when you water down the playoffs and allow seven in. Like this is what the league wanted. Um, this is what you're going to get. I mean, I there's not enough quarterbacks on the planet. There's not enough great coaches, truly great coaches, to reach a point where we're ever going to be looking at the seventh seed and being like, boy, that's really cool. like that's mm. a hell of a team. I can't believe they're the seventh seed. Like I, I just don't. I. In a league of parity where everything's meant to be water level, are you really going to have seven special teams at both conferences? Maybe every once in a while, it might be an anomaly here or there. Um, a really good team suffers a bunch of injuries, right? And everybody gets healthy late and they scramble in as the seven. But, man, when they're all together, there's something. I mean, eh, it could happen. But that ain't, this ain't that. <laughs> like this, this ain't. That. In fact, the seven, especially if it's somehow Detroit, and a lot yeah. of people will say Green Bay. Yeah, I just I, I'm a skeptic with them. But like, if the Lions are the seven in the NFC, that happens. Like they're flawed. They're not great, but they're not patently mediocre. They have like there's a there's some special stuff they can do. Outside of the bookend pass rushers, because Uche's come on, like Judon Uche, all right, I'll buy that. Like outside of that, I don't – like they've got some good corners. I don't think they're great corners. Um, when they face teams that can throw the ball in a prolific manner, they tended to suffer. Um, they've got a historic coach, no doubt about that. But like, uh, you know. I'm not buying it either. They don't no. do a whole lot for me. No, like, I don't not, find them particularly interesting. I don't find the offense particularly interesting. Um, it's just very solid defense. The thing uh, about the Patriots over the last, uh, just say the last decade, when Brady was there and they're going to Super Bowls, is they they score points. They score points. You, you know, you could you could know that they were going to score points. This this team, that's not the case. I, I got a couple more things we got to get to, Jason, before we get out of here. Jason Lock on four, Carl Dukes, Brian Baldinger. This is in the huddle. Subscribe Tuesdays and Thursdays. We put out new episodes and we talk about everything NFL related. Packers 41, yeah. Vikings 17. I've told you all season. I don't buy the Vikings. I've told you guys all season. So Packers are still alive. I know this is, you know, they're going to come to the last game of the season against the Lions. They got to win. Lions, we'll see where that goes in week 18. What's going on with the Packers now, right? They've gone on this win streak that everybody thought was probably impossible. Things have played out magically for them with other teams winning and losing and setting them up for success. They clinch a playoff spot with a win against the Lions in Week 18. Yeah. I mean, look, I'll say this. I, I The special teams there has been a disaster forever, and now they've got the best return guy in the game. That's a big advantage. The margins are slim. I'm buying that. I've seen this kid do it with too much regularity now. He can change a game, and that gives them a bolt of momentum. That gives them the energy that the offense used to provide from a big play, from Aaron Rodgers doing something, you know, miraculous, throwing the ball 70 yards in the air. Like, so I, I think that energy and that spark, that game flow changer is coming from special teams now. So that's okay. And the defense is certainly playing better than it was early in the season. Four, four turnovers back-to-back weeks. Yeah. They yeah. changed the scheme around a little bit. They realized that they were too set in their own ways, too predictable. You know, the holes that you could exploit were there all the time. So I'm, I'm buying that. Um, and when they can run the ball like they did in that game, now part of the reason they were able to run the ball like they did in that game was because they got the two early return touchdowns, and now it just, you know, the, the game script is completely flipped. And so let's just run it on them and see if they can stop it. And they really couldn't. So look, they've made strides. They've come a long way. Um, 
And they've, you know, they control their own destiny, which didn't seem possible six weeks ago, five weeks ago, four weeks ago. Do I think that they're going to run the gauntlet in the NFC and go from the seventh seed to the last team standing there? I don't. Um, I'm not convinced they beat the Lions, even if the Lions don't have anything to play for. So, and Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs the last five years has not been good. He's not been good. You can he's say not, it. He's not putting anybody on his back. Nope. He's been, he's looked like he started to hit the wall in a lot of these years. Um, and they're going to have to run the gauntlet on the road. You know, which if they're in a dome, probably helps them. But so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, hats off to them. They, they, they're, they've made a run that not many people saw coming. I thought they'd be playing Jordan Love by now because there'd be no reason not to. Um, but I just think the idea that like Aaron Rodgers is the reason for this, I think is you're not really watching. I mean, the defense has dialed it up and the special teams has vastly improved. Um, and they seem, you know, Jones has been on the injury report a lot this year, but he seems to be all right now. And so that's what, if, if they do become what people thought they were going to be in the summer, I don't think it's going to be because they're beating people 45, 42. I think it's going to be because of the things I just talked about. Rodgers, don't bleep it up in the red zone. Run the ball between the 20s. Play better defense. Get explosion plays from special teams. Yeah, Aaron Jones has been much better. All right, one last thing before we get out of here. Two questions. One, Ravens lose to the Steelers 16-13. Not a surprise. Called it 16. I literally called it 16-13. Steelers on the money line. Ravens <laughs> under 18 and a half. Game under 35 and a half. You did. You surely did. We asked you about Lamar Jackson last week. I'll ask you again. Do we see? We don't see him until the playoffs. Period. Right? He doesn't play in week well, eighteen. Look, it's even more complicated now because we don't know how the NFL is going to re-pick up its schedule. Correct. So that Ravens-Bengals game, we don't be like. Obviously, the outcome of last night's game would have had whether the Bengals won or lost would have determined whether the division is still at play or not in the AFC North. <coughs> Even accounting for that, at this point, I don't think Lamar Jackson plays until the Ravens face their next elimination game. Okay. Which would not be until the postseason because they've already clinched at least a playoff berth. Winning the division and getting that home game is great, but this he hasn't practiced in a month. The idea that he'd go out there and practice limited twice and then play a football game where he might be knocked out for the duration. I I, they, they, I saw Harbaugh's face when he lost J.K. Dobbins for the year in a preseason game a year ago that he never should have been playing in in the first place. you know. And Dobbins last week referenced, like, man, where would my career be if I didn't get hurt in a preseason mm. game? A preseason game. I played in every preseason game, and I got hurt in a game that counts. And here we are 18 months later, and I'm finally starting to feel like myself again. Hmm. I wonder where my career would be. I'm in year three, the year after which I should be getting paid. I wonder where my leverage would be if I didn't get hurt in a preseason game. He just said this last week. Yeah. And Harbaugh has become incredibly risk reverse based on all the injuries they've had. So, again, Lamar Jackson has missed like 12 straight practices. He's not out there like in a sweatshirt, throwing it around and running around. He's not out there. He's not even on the practice field. So to think he's going to come and – Again, and he's going to have to ramp it up. He's not just going to go out there and take every rep. So I don't – I've been saying for a while on my show here in Baltimore, like I don't think he's playing until it's, the stakes are truly do or die. And at this point, that's not going to be to the playoffs. So if I'm a Ravens fan, my biggest thing I'm watching this week is that practice report. If he's not practicing limited at least by Thursday – then I'm starting to wonder about the whole kit and caboodle because mm. it's going to take more than a week. You see what I'm saying? So if he does nothing this week, yeah. then that means the odds of him in a – you know how it is. It's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday's a walkthrough. It's really two Two, two days. Two like days. To think yeah. that he's going to go from now five weeks of nothing to a limited practice, a full practice, and then he's going to go beat the Cincinnati Bengals you know, and put us on this horse bleep offense on his back and beat the Bengals, whether it's in Baltimore, Cincinnati, Kalamazoo – Antarctica, it's not happening. It's not. And right now, by the way, with nothing changing last night because of the postponement of the game, Ravens at Bengals. It'd be six versus three right now as we speak. 
Um, last thing, Steelers, Mike Tomlin. He's never had a losing season. They win in week the final week of the season. He won't have another he won't have a losing yeah. season. And they're still alive. It's absolutely incredible for me, Jason, to think about this. 16 years. He's the second longest tenured coach in the NFL behind Belichick. I'm not saying we don't give him respect. I'm not saying we don't appreciate what, what Tomlin's mm-hmm. done. Okay, maybe we don't. Big on the radio in Pittsburgh every Monday morning. I don't think he, he I don't think Harbaugh takes a lot of bleep here in Baltimore, and Tomlin gets the same stuff there because they had the early success and they won the Super Bowl early yeah. and everybody got spoiled. And it's like, oh my God, it's been 10 years since you've been to a championship game. Well, take that Belichick thing out of it, and that's the NFL. Do you realize how hard it is to not have a losing season? Bro. Your entire tenure as a head football coach, how the roster turns over, how he dealt with the Antonio Brown crap, how, how all this stuff is yeah. played out. In, in a year where you lose Big Ben and you don't start your rookie Kenny, Kenny Pickett immediately. He, he managed to go to the playoffs with the carcass of Big Ben twice. <laughs> and they were down for a half season. You got your kidney shots and body blows on them for eight weeks. They were two and six at their bye and everybody's spitting on them. They're one of the best teams in football. Like, most teams go from the end of that thing to the next thing, and they're down for a couple of years. Years. He was down Correct. for half a season. That's my point. And that was only because he had to play Mitch freaking Trubisky because he wasn't sure if this kid was ready or not, which was the right thing to do long term. Had he played this kid the whole time, they would be in the playoffs. And that's what they're holding against him in Pittsburgh. And I'm like, you people are crazy. <laughs> You're allowed to be down for eight games. You're allowed to be the pits for eight games. There's a lot of owners who've been the pitch for 20 years, 10 years, eight years. Like, stop it. It's crazy. He's it a, is. He's a legend, man. He's, it, it, he's unbelievable. He, it just it just is. He handles situations so eloquently and, and handles players so perfectly. I know you've talked to guys that have played for Tomlin. I, I've talked to various guys, and it, it's – it's really impressive, man. I, I, I'm just going to put it there. I don't know what happens week 18, but if they win and you're telling me this guy has survived another year with a rookie quarterback and not had a losing season, I mean, come on. I just don't know what it's going to take for you to appreciate what, what the hell's going on there in Pittsburgh. Jason, we got to run, man. Great stuff. We will look ahead. Guys, we have no idea how the scheduling and what's going to happen with the league. Follow Jason on social media. I'm at Put Him Up, C. Dukes. Of course, Jason writes for the Washington Post as well. We're going to keep uh, our circles, you know, with our people in the NFL and try to figure things out. If we hear anything, you guys follow us and let us, you know, uh, let you guys know. But we don't know. So right now, as we leave you on this Tuesday, there's still a lot up in the air. And as we leave you again, prayers for DeMar Hamlin and his family as we are still thinking about that. They're saying the next couple of days, knock wood, are going to be critical. We don't know about the, the medical side of this, but that's what doctors are saying. He suffered a cardiac arrest and is right now still in critical condition in the hospital. Jason, great job as always, man. Once again, it's in the huddle. Carl Dukes, put him up, along with Jason LaConfora, Brian Baldinger. We'll bring you a new episode on Thursday. Subscribe to In the Huddle, like us, and make sure you don't miss an episode. Have a great day, everybody.